Welcome to the Road to Tinuate, a Kingkiller Chronicle fan podcast where I explore the works of Patrick Rothfuss and the fans who love it. Today I'm joined by friend of the show, Aaron. You may remember Aaron from the World Builders episode where he built a really, really sweet tack board and gave it to World Builders. Hi Aaron, how's the Road to Tinuate? Ah, hi, how's it going? Uh, the Road to Tinuate is long and arduous and almost over, at least for now. <laughs> Well, yeah, your road's uh, heading heading towards graduation, so that must be nice. Yeah, I graduate in May, and then I'll get to move out of Alabama and back to Washington, where I'm from, and back to all my tools. <laughs> well, you have some tools where you are. You were able to make the boards. Uh, the board was actually made back in Washington. All right, well, um, I'm full of poop, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... If anybody didn't listen to the World Builders episode, can you give a very short version of what we're talking about? So, okay, so I made a tack board, and it's an awesome tack board. It's a eight, at least I think so, and Pat seems to think so too. Think so. Anyway, it's a eight by eight board, which is kind of uncommon in the world of tack boards as of now. It's um, made with a bunch of exotic wood. It has some copper inlays in it, and um, uh, in the seven by seven grid, since there are no seven by seven rules, and if you happen to play a seven by seven game, you're doing it wrong. Um, in the seven by seven row, there's a uh, there is um, some uh, hand forged wrought iron nails that are embedded in there, so it lifts that section of the board up, so you can't actually play your stones on them. Nice, nice. And what did you do with this amazing board? I donated it to World Builders. Woo! At least. Yeah, so I, I was actually, I'm making five of them. I've finished two of them, three more, half, more than halfway done. They'll be finished when I move back to Washington. But I donated the first of five to World Builders, and it, I don't know, it was it was nice seeing Pat geek out about that for about 15 minutes on his Twitch stream. <laughs> and do you know what happened to that board now that World Builders yeah. is over? Yeah, it was actually, um, so it was... Uh, the person who won it, it was uh, a girl named Carmen. She's 26, and she lives in Madrid, Spain. She's actually invited me out to Madrid at some point. Uh, <laughs> that'll have to happen a little bit down the line after uh, after school and after my residency's done. So, but it's it's cool to be invited. Yeah, I've never been invited to Madrid, Spain. Right? Like, she actually has never played TAC before, so <laughs> she's going to be learning on my board. Um, I actually messaged her earlier this morning or this afternoon and asked if she'd learned, and she says no, but she has a bunch of free time starting tomorrow, so she's going to play with her family. It'd be kind of intimidating to learn on that thing of beauty. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's what I learned on. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay, that's cool. You're cool. <laughs> Thanks. Um, aside from the boards, do you think there's anything you'd like to to do to make from the worlds, from KKC Universe, Timurant? Um Well, once I finish making these other three boards, like I have some thoughts running around my head of something I might want to do. Like I want to, I really want to make a lockless box or a puzzle box um, or the lackless box, depending on whichever. I don't know which. How, depending on however you want to say it. Um, <laughs> But I think I might need a CNC machine if I really get into how my how I imagine it to be. 
How do you imagine it? So in the books, it's kind of described as having a bunch of uh, like uh, what are they? a bunch of like um, maybe puzzle knot or story knots uh, written on the side or carved into the side. Though after years, they've kind of been rubbed away, and you can just barely feel them. And I think I'd like to have it just carved with all of that, though. I've never carved wood before, so <laughs> we'll see how that works. Um, I also kind of picture it all as one block of wood, like no seams, just a giant block. And I feel without um, without some proper tools that might be really hard to pull off to make a seamless piece of wood also be hollow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll figure that out. That's that's the thing in the works in the head at least. It's it's up there in the imagination. I'm imagining like if it's seamless, but you want to use it as an actual box. Like, how do you take like? Because I can imagine hollowing out a lump of wood. Like you drill a hole, and then there's special tools I'm sure to make the inside hollow. But just how do you put things in and out once it's? I don't know. But I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have an idea floating around. I don't know if it'll work, but I figure if I can, like, make this box all nice and pretty on the outside, and then cut like a forty-five degree angle around the top edge, ah. so it's just so it it looks like it's a seamless box, but okay. there's actually a seam there. I also kind of want to turn a lockless box into a tack board, so you know, there's that. <laughs> I see so many beautiful tack boards, and then I'm just jealous and full of want and need. <laughs> well, I mean, you might be able to buy one. <laughs> someday, someday. It's on the list. All right, all right. <laughs> How did you find the books? Oh, okay. So I actually was... Uh, it's a bit of a deep story. So... Back in 2012, I was told I had a terminal brain tumor and was only given a year to live. And so that's depressing. And I, I ended up uh, coming across some, you know, coming across the audiobooks of Name of the Wind. I had no idea who Pat was. I had no idea what Name of the Wind was. I was just on this kind of kick of going through and trying to escape my life. Mm -hmm. And I ended up... Uh, uh, coming across Pat's books, I finished Name of the Wind, immediately went to Wise Man's Fear, and there wasn't a book after that, so I went back to The Name of the Wind and Wise Man's Fear, and <laughs> I read them three times back to back. Wow. Or listened to them three times back to back. And then, uh, yeah, so they had a huge effect on me, to say the least. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm not actually uh, going to die. 2012 was a few years ago, and <laughs> the doctor was an idiot. He uh, ended up it ended up being a misdiagnosis, so we're good. Yeah, the story has a happy ending. Yeah, 2012 was a bad year, though. Yeah. So nobody introduced them to you. You just found them on audiobooks and then listened to them three times in a row. Yeah, that's pretty much it. No, yeah, nobody introduced them to me at all. Okay. That's that's odd. Most people say, oh, I heard about it from blah, 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 or my roommate gave it to me, or my sister gave it to me, or, yeah, so that's, I didn't, that's interesting. Okay, and audiobooks, and I'm glad that you do not have a terminal brain tumor. Yeah, me too. 
and that you're feeling better about it. You said that they had, like, a really deep impact on you. Like, would you be willing to go into that some more, or...? Yeah, so... I was, uh, 2012, I was, I was really, really depressed during, you know, having been told I was going to die in a year. It was kind of like, uh, what's the point? I mean, you know, Pat talks about his mental illness, so I'm okay. I feel like I'm, I can share mine a little bit, but it was, I was, I was severely depressed and borderline suicidal. And, uh, actually the whole, like not having a book three, uh, I'm a completionist. And since book three wasn't out yet, like I needed to finish the story before I could, uh, you know, not live anymore. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Rothfuss, for having not finished that then. Yeah, I, I can honestly say I'm probably one of the few people on the planet who's happy that book three didn't come out <laughs> or hasn't come out. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, there was also, let's see, there was a, there was a line from the books that really struck home quite well. Uh, no man is brave. Who's never walked a hundred miles. You know that one? Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah, the no, whole thing? Oh yeah. Uh, no man is brave. Who's never walked a hundred miles. Okay. Now that I'm put on the spot, I don't. <laughs> I want to look it up real fast and then you can just read it and they will never know. That uh, sounds good to me. All right. No man is brave that's never walked 100 miles. If you want to know the truth of who you are, walk until not a person knows your name. Travel is the great leveler, the great teacher. Bitter is medicine, crueler than mirror glass. A long stretch of road will teach you more about yourself than 100 years of quiet introspection. I didn't actually need to look it up. I remembered. Good job. <laughs> uh, um, that line, like, I came across that line of the book at the same time that I uh, found a YouTube video of some guy hiking the Pacific Crest Trail and the two things just kind of coalesced into one awesome idea in my head. I'm like, well, to get through this funk, I'm going to go hike the Pacific Tra Pacific Crest Trail. Of course, you know, I had never hiked before a day in my life, so that was fun. Uh, you know, what the hell do I know what I'm doing? <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> um, but my goal, my goal was 100 miles. And I made it to that hundred miles at least, so that's that's uh that's what matters to me. I uh, ended up making it 120 miles. Oh, nice! Um, I hurt my ankle at mile 70 Ooh. and just kind of hobbled my way to mile 100. Jeez! <laughs> yeah, it was all sorts of fun. I actually was uh, writing a blog during the same time, and uh, every one of the chapters in the book was the type uh, was the um, the title of my blog post. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. If people want to find that blog, is it still up? Uh, I think so. Uh, ChaseTheWindBlog.wordpress.com It looks like I stopped... Uh, it says 109 miles on the blog. I just opened it up, looked at the last <laughs> post. So 109 miles, not 120. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you begin and end? Um, so since I live in Washington or I'm from Washington, my idea was to fly down to California okay. um, and then walk home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't make it, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I started at the, the Mexico, California border. Oh, geez. You went all the way down um, to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's actually like, 
God, what is it? It's uh, God, it's like sixteen hundred, twenty six hundred miles, twenty six hundred miles. I think that's how long the whole trail lasts. And um, yeah, I went all the way down to the bottom, and what my intention was to walk all the way up to the top. How long did it take you to do the hundred and nine miles? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So I started April 14th, and it looks like I ended May 8th. Okay, so the weather was nice, at least. The weather was. Like, yeah. that's the actually one of the whole reasons you start right there is because you're like, you, you kind of chase the weather and let the weather chase you. It only rained once while I was out there, and only for a few minutes. Um <laughs> I ended up having a epic battle with a rattlesnake while I was out there, so that was con- that was kind of fun. So tell me the story of how you defeated the rattledrakus. <laughs> um, I bravely threw rocks at it from about 30, 40 feet away for half an hour. And then it just left you alone? It was like, screw this? No, it didn't leave me alone at all. Um, <laughs> actually, the... <laughs> It it didn't want to move. All right, so this trail, it's like sheer rock face on one side and sheer rock on the other. Like, you've just got two cliffs, and you're, like, right in the middle of these two cliffs. You know, one going up, one going down. And it just didn't want to move. Um, I ended up uh, meeting, um, or I was waiting there and uh, came across uh, the, the guy I had met a couple nights before who actually gave me my trail name, um, Wise Man. Um, I, he came across, uh, me epically fighting this rattlesnake <laughs> and, uh, t- we threw rocks at it together for a little bit. And then he, um, had the bright idea to, uh, you know, get this long dead stick. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was like some kind of, some kind of cactus where it was just this like 15 foot long stick with this branchy cactusy looking thing on the top. I have no idea what it's called, but Basically, he jousted this this uh, this rattlesnake, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he's the one who actually defeated the the Dracus snake. <laughs> so in this story, are you Denna? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm mm. I I couldn't tell you that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh- <laughs> Well, I'm glad you did not get bit by a rattlesnake. Me too. <laughs> you tell me more about the you made a friend and you got a trail name. Yeah, so as you're walking on the trail, like anybody who does any long distance hiking, um especially during like hiking season, you tend to get something like it's it's called a trail name. And um he like since the main reason that I was hiking this trail was because of a quote in um, King Killer Chronicle in Wise Man's Fear. Um, like I ended up, you know, sharing that story a lot, and I, I think um, I probably got about fifteen to twenty people to read the books after the trail. <laughs> uh, so you know that's fun. Um, but one of the guys that I met, he had actually already read the books, and you know, he asked if I had a trail name yet, and he just kind of looked at me after, you know, telling the story, and he's like, wise man, that's your name. Aw, that's nice. And it just kind of fit. Did you uh, meet any other people who were already fans? On the on the trail? Uh, just the one guy. Okay. 
Did, uh, have any of the people that you met that you spread the word of our Lord Rothfuss to, have any of them gotten back to you and been like, oh, I read the book, that was amazing? Um, I haven't really kept in contact with much of the people I met on the trail, but some other friends who I've shared um, the word of Rothfuss with <laughs> uh, have definitely um, found themselves to be fans. It's an easy thing to do to become a fan. It really is. <laughs> you just got to read it once and you're you're hooked. I have two friends, they're both white guys, who do not like the books. What? One of them said he just couldn't get into it. And, like, and I think it's be the um, the frame story. Like, a lot of people don't really, well, not a lot. There is a definite section of people who do not like the frame story. And he just couldn't get past it. Like, he's like, I, can I don't see. understand. I can kind of see that. Like when I tell my friends uh, to read it, I'm like, just get past chapter three. Like as long as you make it past chapter three, you will be hooked. Yeah. And, you know, up until chapter three, it's all frame story. So. Yeah. And then uh, one guy who reads, he reads a lot of fantasy and he actually, he's a university professor and teaches classes about like sci-fi and fantasy and he's like, I, I, it's just overrated. Well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> overrated. Do you have any other trail stories or things that happened? Or like, did you listen to it and stare at the stars and feel good? There, or... was, there was a lot of staring up at the sky. Uh, not so much staring up at the stars. The moment it got dark, I pretty much passed out. Um, but like, let's see, there was, uh, she'll, she'll, she'll tell you that I rescued her from the side of a mountain. Um, I, I just think I gave her the courage to walk on with somebody, but it was this, uh, this older woman who was hiking for the first time. Um, and it was a super, super windy day, like just the side of the cliff that we were on. It was just, you know, the wind was just beating us, you know, and, uh, I, I came across her and I found her huddled up against, you know, huddled up against some rocks. Uh, you know, she was waiting for the wind to pass so she could get down. Um, she kept thinking the wind was going to push her off. And we just walking, um, walking together for about a mile and a half um, until we got around that side of the mountain where the wind was blowing. And it was just smooth sailing from then on. Okay. Aww. So that was, you know, a fun little wind story <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other real life kkc stories <laughs> um i've got a few you'd be surprised um so the one that happened most recently so my pathology teacher she was asking um she used the word consanguinity to talk about like the diseases that are most prevalent in the Ashkenazi Jewish population and asked if anybody knew what that meant. Like, what does consanguinity mean? And my hand went up and <laughs> I just straight up said a piece of a thing can represent a whole of a thing or once together, always together. And in this case, the disease is passed down in the bloodline and the rest of my class just looked at me like, why do you know what? <laughs> huh? Yeah, and ah. my teacher was thoroughly impressed. Um, though I think my favorite story is probably something that happened with my dad. Um, so my dad and I were, um, we had been playing around with some fermented foods. And uh, we have this, 
like super super gross gnarly old pear tree in our backyard um but we like while it doesn't actually produce good fruit like good tasty fruit we got the idea that maybe it would produce some decent like pear wine or pear cider okay so like i'm sitting um you know, after this is made, like he's he's working on some stuff and I'm sitting in the kitchen or I'm sitting in the living room. He's standing in the kitchen and he just like yells out to me. He's like asking what the pulp is that makes or that that pears are, you know, or what the pulp that pears make is called. Like he's like, does this thing have a name? And by this, he had never he hadn't read. He hadn't read King Killer Chronicle yet. Um, <laughs> so he's just like, what is this pulp called? I just quoted pomace. He's like, he, he, and he's like, do you think it like, is is it used for anything? So I quote again, grape pomace can be used to make a weak wine or oil if you've got a lot, but apple pomace is pretty useless. You can use it as fertilizer or mulch, but it's not good as, it's not much good as either. Folk use it to feed their livestock mostly. And then follow that up with, I assume pear pomace would be similar. And he just like comes out of the kitchen, looks at me like, how the, do you know this? <laughs> what (laughs) and i just got this smug look on my face like the entire time i'm like saying that line i'm trying not to burst out laughing because (laughs) i like i know it's from king killer chronicle and i've been trying to get him to read king killer chronicle for maybe about two years at this point and um he ended up reading it about six months after this and he gets to that point in the story and he's like he as soon as he finishes that point in the story he comes and finds me. He's like, I just got to the pomace part. <laughs> like he just he's like just deadpan looks at me like, so that's how you know this. So that's a, that's a few things that have uh, happened, you know, just, just King killer in real life. There's also the time I uh, almost burnt off my eyebrows. So that was fun. <laughs> well, you can't drop a hook like that and not reel us in. Um, so I'm, I, I like to think of my uh, my lab space at work as the fishery, um, just because we're doing all sorts of fabrication and you know building prosthetic legs for people. And um, one of the projects that we were working on was a transfemoral socket for uh, our patient, so someone who has lost their leg above the knee level. Um, and we're making a uh, we're making a new leg for them. And while I have the socket, it's like almost fitting perfectly and whatnot. Like I, it's not quite there. We're still learning. So, you know, I don't feel bad about it, but I need to put a pad inside the socket to make it fit better. And so I, I glue the pad in, except, you know, one thing I'm not really thinking about is that the, the glue that we're using, apparently the fumes are heavier than air. So they just all sunk to the bottom Uh of the socket. And apparently they're flammable. Well, I mean, like twenty hindsight's twenty twenty, but I uh, I use a heat gun to try and mold the foam that we're going to be putting or that I'm putting into the socket to you know or to to help like make the foam more flexible and give it shape and whatnot. And like the the heat gun, the turbulence it just kind of <laughs> kicked up. Yeah, it just kind of kicked up the fumes from the bottom of that socket and sucked them back in through the heating coil oh, and then geez. this socket just explodes in my face. Like, I mean, it doesn't burst or anything, but it goes off like a rocket. Just like, whoosh, 
And um, the very first thing that I do is uh, go ask one of my classmates, do I still have eyebrows? And they're like, nope. Well, I, I did still have them, okay. but I like I smelled I smelled the burning hair and I'm like, you know, my face, my beard was a little oh, bit singed. My, my eyebrows were still intact, so I didn't look perpetually surprised. But, ah, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of a fun experience. And it's a complete fluke. Like people that have been in the field for 30 years have never seen anything like that happen before. But of course, me, who's, you know, been in the field for well, not even quite in the field yet. Uh, it happens too. Yep. <laughs> lucky, lucky. Right. I like to ask my guests about their favorite theories and tinfoil hat times. Do you have any wackety theories? I've got more than a few, but one of them in spe- one of them specifically that's okay. uh, a little bit wacky. Um, so in the Trappist and the Scarpy stories. Those are always like rife with information, and anytime you read over them again, you can just gleam something else. Well, in the yeah, in the Trappist story, he's saying how Taylor's chase, yeah, Taylor was chasing in Canis. That is the yeah, that is the Trappist yeah. story. Taylor was chasing in Canis, and as when he caught him, he like you know bound him to this giant iron wheel. And I'm like, that's obviously a binding of iron. Just you know, church and stuff has made it, you know, tied to the tied to the wheel. Anyway, and then uh, they also talk about how while Telu was digging the pit, he leaned the iron wheel up against a tree. So that pit and the tree are like, you know, right next to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that the binding of iron. You know, and Canis was still bound to the iron. And while he might have, you know, been quotation mark killed in the uh, in the fire, like that iron, I, f- I feel like maybe that binding of iron was still holding something. Hmm. And over the years, you know, as the iron like rusted out and you know just decomposed into its base molecules, like maybe the tree roots like absorbed the iron, and then. Maybe like some version of Encanis got bound to a tree. Okay. AKA Encanis is the Cathay. Get. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that's my tin. That's that's. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's my tinfoil hat theory. All right. I'm gonna try and explore this with you. Okay. So, does that mean that the story? that the church is based on happened in Fae? Or did the Fae move the tree to the Fae, like, after it happened? I feel like this might have been before the Fae and the, I guess, real world were separate. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like, in the process of creating the Fae or in the process of creating the real world, whichever you view as more accurate or you know whichever your tinfoil hat theory is mm-hmm. like i feel like maybe the tree was absorbed into the fey like that kind of thing okay. and you know I, yeah cuz i mean in the in the in the story like the the demons were you know neighbors with the humans right mm-hmm. so that's obviously fey being neighbors with humans because there's no okay. such thing as demons. at least okay. you know so 
I feel like maybe it was before the split. So Cathay is an actual bodied creature who mm-hmm. lives in the tree. So you think right. that's just Akanis's body, but he's trapped in the leaves. Yeah, or maybe like, you know, some, you know, as the binding happened or as the binding was transferred or absorbed by the tree, you know, the 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 more iron that gets absorbed by this tree, the stronger Incanus's or Cathay's body gets. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a little bit wacky. I'm I'm digging it though. I'm just <laughs> What about the fact that the tree smells like lemon? Do you think that that's maybe not the tree itself? Because the tree, you think, would smell a little bit irony, maybe. Like, where do you think the lemon smell is coming from? Um, or do you think that's an illusion? Uh, I don't think that's an illusion. I don't think that's any sort of uh, fey magic or anything. I think that's just... I feel like that's probably coming from the tree, but I don't... Yeah, I mean, I know the theories that, you know, the, the lackless box is maybe made from the same wood as the tree or, you know, I, I have, I, I understand those theories, but I haven't really thought much on the, the scent of it myself. Wow. Okay. I like it. I like it. There's, um, let's see, there's a, uh, you, uh, the King Killer Chronicle Facebook group. Someone recently asked like, what, what kind of tree do you picture for like the Cathay tree or what kind of tree do you picture for the, the sword tree? And for both of them, I kind of picture a banyan tree. <laughs> like, uh, but, you know, I feel like the Cathay's tree is just kind of a more warped version. I don't know. It's like in my head, they just both seem kind of banyan-y. Hmm. In my mind, the Cathay tree looks kind of like a cross between a an oak and an apple. Okay. But I'm definitely down for Banyan or Weeping Willow for the sword tree. Okay. Yeah, there's um there's a picture on Google. Like if you just type in Banyan tree, like it's one of the <laughs> right? Like it's just one of the first few pictures and I feel like it just matches the sword tree wholeheartedly. And um Yeah, there's another picture I came across at some point and I was just like, That that's the Cathay. The <laughs> there Cathay it is, tree, it's rather. right there. Oh, I forgot to ask you this earlier. How many times have you read slash listened to the books? Um, double digits. Okay. Like 30, 35-ish. <clears throat> nice. You just like have it on your, on your iPod on repeat? Well, um, I, I definitely don't do the Apple products, but I've got it on my phone. I do have it on my phone, and... Uh, um, like, I mean, I'm, I drove from Washington to Alabama for grad school. So I listened to that like the entire way, uh, <laughs> driving across the country. I also, while I was, um, attempting to, uh, um, figure out which school I wanted to go to, um, I drove across the country from Washington to Pennsylvania for an open house at University of Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. And I listened to it on that trip as well. And, uh, like, you know, of course, and I have uh, four copies, um, like four hardback copies of Name of the Wind. Um, <laughs> hardback? Uh, yeah, I have um, I have one that I originally got because I was going to a book signing with Pat and I wanted him to sign something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and 
and then I got, um, I ended up finding a first printing, first edition, yeah, first edition, first printing, oh. Name of the Wind on eBay. But the seller threw in a free first edition, third printing, just so I could have the, uh, the other dust cover if I wanted. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was a steal. And then I ended up getting the 10th anniversary edition because yeah. why not, right? Uh, because if anyone, anyone who's a fan has to read it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You gotta um, read the appendices, you know. or else you don't even really know what the story's about. Right, right. <laughs> and then, um, of course, I have uh, a, a handful of paperback copies that I loan to my friends. Do you have a preferred audio? Because people get in arguments over the readers. Um, definitely not Nick Podell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rupert Degas, I th- he's the other guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, Rupert Degas is uh is definitely my preferred, which, you know, of course, like listening to, since my first exposure was listening to it, I have all of the names and stuff like how he pronounces them mm-hmm. rather than how other people pronounce them. <laughs> like Elodin, he pronounces it Elodine, and in my head, every time someone says Elodin, I'm like, that's wrong. Well, I'm like, no, that's <laughs> You're not wrong. wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Do you feel like you have gleaned any special knowledge in your multiple readings? Well, one of the things that I came across was it's actually that conversation that uh, Quoth is having with Willem mm-hmm. uh, about idioms. Mm-hmm. So he says, uh, what's the road? Or, how's the road to how's Tinue? The, how's the road to Tinue? Like, what does it mean? And he's like, it's, he's, yeah. Um, so when he's trying to explain, like, you know, it means like, how is your day? How's everything going? And he's like, that's also an idiom. And he's, and he starts saying, like, your language is thick with nonsense. I wonder how any of you understand each other. How is everything going? <laughs> going where? Yeah. Um, and then Quoth, like, um, speaks back. He says, uh, I have no idea how that's pronounced. It's Toan Volgan Okith Ama, uh, the Siaru phrase that's uh, the Siaru idiom that means don't let it make you crazy, but it's literally translated as don't put a spoon in your eye over it. <laughs> like that right there, that don't put a spoon in your eye over it. Like to me, that's a direct reference to Trappist's or um, um, to Scarpy's story about um, uh, crap. What's his name? Salatos. Thank you. Yeah, that's a that's a direct reference to Celatos or Celatos, depending. Yeah, on I your, don't know. I don't know. <laughs> depending on your version of the audiobook, <laughs> um, that's a direct reference to him like poking his eye out with that shard of stone. Like, oh, don't man. let it make you crazy. Don't put a spoon in your eye over it. Like, there's that. And then the phrase like "blackened body of God." How that's or that the curse, the swear, whatever you want to call it. Like. That's a direct reference to Telu burning in Canis in the wheel and burning alive with him. Like, it's the blackened body of God. Dang. Like, I've picked up blackened body of God by myself, but that spoon one? Oh, man. <laughs> You're blowing my mind. Well, you know, at least, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, give, I'm, me I'm more, give me more, give me more. Oh, man. I don't know that I have much more. Like, there's that whole theory about copper not having a name. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's also why I put copper in my tack boards. I feel like copper is just a big part of the story, so I wanted to put that in there. 
do you have any theories about why Copper is... Because Rafa's is pretty good with his, his faux sciencing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have any theories about what property makes Copper so hard to name? I mean, at least like in, in normal everyday chemistry, copper and silver are both considered like like antibiotics. So they will uh, like stop the stop bacterial growth. So, I mean, that's like the only thing that I could actually think of. Like, but I mean, silver is never mentioned as not having a name or, you know, like. But I, I also feel like maybe that's just a theory that the Internet came up with. And they, you know, it just built on itself over and over again. And now now it's just a well-known thing that copper doesn't have a name, even though like it's never once mentioned. Well, copper. I don't... Like, my theory isn't that copper doesn't have a name, but that it's hard to name. Okay. Because you've got the copper lattice work in Elodin's uh, cage, basically. Yeah. And you have the copper plates on the four plate mm-hmm. door. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see the the like pathway how it came to be, but like I don't I don't really have a, a reasoning or an understanding of why it's such a big thing. Yeah. Okay. I thought it might have something to do with um uh, it's it's a very conductive and like maybe the magic just passes through it like it's a uh, conduit. Okay. Cause I, I like that. Oh, what's his name? The magician Taberlin. Taberlin the Great has a copper sword. Mm-hmm. And I thought it could be twofold because everybody is like, well, because if you have a copper sword, then when you're fighting, a namer can't turn your sword against you. And I'm like, what if? And you have a copper sword, and it's basically extra good at shooting out lightning or magnifying <laughs> your power or whatever. <laughs> that could be fun. I never even thought about that before. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> Shooting that's... lightning from your sword. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> if you look at my Facebook page, I, when I made it, I was kind of in a hurry and I didn't have, I don't have any fan art or anything. If you're a fan and you would like to make some fan art for the Road to Tinue, please send it to me at roadtotinue <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, so my my headshot is basically it's the symbol for copper, the alchemy the alchemy symbol for copper in like dripped copper. Okay. Yeah. I can dig it. I can dig it. I'm like this will be nice and subtle and no one will understand but me. I am. <laughs> Okay, I am looking at your... Oh, I see that now. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so one of the things uh, that I would freaking love is if Pat or, you know, if he worked with Echo or or Nate to uh, come up with all the sigildry, like all the runes. That would be awesome. Because... I want to do so much with those runes. Like I want to, I want to make things with like, you know, just like embed those runes into something that I, I make that just, you know, I just think it would be so cool to people like, have those runes. I, I yeah, feel like people official. have, it's not official. I think that Pat maybe doesn't need to work with, with Nate or echo that he already has them. Like he has like a little, little list of them. <laughs> 
I also want a full-blown map of the university, so, you know, there's that. <laughs> I... Oh, man. I want everything. I want the grand knowledge encyclopedia of Temerant. <laughs> I, I can, I, I'm with you on there. I can yeah. dig it. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I know that, because, like, they made one for uh, for Ice and Fireland, the Seven Kingdoms. They made, like, mm-hmm. a big old, basic, yeah. I think I would like that. And because he talks about, in the archives, about there being, like, travel logs. Yeah. I imagine okay. it just being kind of like a travel log. <laughs> I imagine he has so much random knowledge about, you know, I mean, the thing that he created oh, just yeah. floating around there that, you know, nobody ever needs to know. Well, it took him 15 years just to to get the first one out. So I imagine, yeah, just reams, reams of information that we will never, ever see. Probably. But his estate <laughs> we can, dream, can release right? the, the <laughs> Encyclopedia of Tamarant. I have been wondering like is the world that Temerant is on an actual celestial body is it round i yeah i don't know i mean like the map it's the four corners civilization so we're obviously only seeing the the four corners civilization on the map right right we're only but... seeing part of one continent yeah like what else is there like, we want to know. <laughs> we know that there's tall beyond the Stormwall mar- Mountains. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that he's going to end up, or Quoth is going to end up going to tall at some point in the third book. If he doesn't, I feel like the Mr. Rothfuss better have some short stories or a novella or something that takes us there. You can't give us these tantalizing bits and not go visit. Yeah, I wholeheartedly want Quoth to make his own loot with the tall at some point in the story are the tall woodworkers uh i don't know but aren't aren't they the singing like the the witch women of the tall and the heel and like they know there's the witch women and they they uh um like the high the the high people of the tall aren't they like healers that do they do singing magic don't remember the singing magic and i don't have my kindle with me so i can't <laughs> look it up real quick but maybe i i remember the witch women cause, okay because she was like if i mean I... there's the singing tree over there right a, a leaf from the singing tree okay maybe oh man what if you made a loot out of the singing tree uh well, that would probably be, be killed sacrilege. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but i mean you know, I can just imagine him using some sort of sigildry on some loot that he makes where it, like, creates an automatic binding with whatever room he's in. And then all of a sudden, like, as he's playing the loot, the entire room reverberates. I feel like that's real dangerous. I feel like it would be real dangerous, too, which I also <laughs> feel like would be awesome. <laughs> we'll see. Someday. Someday. Yeah, yeah. Or my, like I told you, I have lots of crazy random theories for book three. <laughs> All right, what are you? Give me, give me three. Oh well. All right, I you mean, know what? Give uh, me two because you already gave me tall. And and then there's the 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 Incanus thing. I also have this other theory that maybe uh, that maybe Cinder invaded the Talian Church at one point. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's like partly why the Talian Church is so corrupt. Like, I feel like. 
you know, you know how there's that line where the stage says that, you know, maybe he did me a bad turn once. And that's why he's giving that's why he's giving both all this information about Cinder. OK, I feel like maybe. OK, this is my like my crazy tin hat theory here, um, yes, yes. like the craziest of the tin hat theories. Yes. OK, um, I think that maybe Cinder and Taylu have like turned into the same being in the story of it like the whole like stories have separated or made them the same or something i don't know like maybe taylu didn't exist and it was all cinder and cinder's actually taylu the guy who put him in the tree and locked him in the tree forever so cinder trapped and Connus under the wheel yeah maybe i mean that whole like robes or the the priests were robes of ash and gray and cinders and fire and ash like i don't know Right? Right? I mean, this is what happens when you read this this story too much. I'm not 100% convinced. No, neither am I, but it's a crazy theory. But I like the enthusiasm, and I like the craziness. I'm I'm definitely not 100% convinced, but it was just... Okay, I came up with this theory while listening to the audiobook while falling asleep, and... (laughs) And that's, like, not something I recommend if you have an active imagination. <laughs> like, I was half asleep, and then I woke up like, it all fits! And, it, I mean, it doesn't all fit. Not at all. <laughs> Someday I will have my own office, and I will put up my, my crazy theory wall. It'll all be strings and markers and post-it notes, <laughs> and people will come I... in and be like that, and I'll be like... You don't want to know, because once you fall in, you just keep falling. The I rabbit dig hole it. is so deep. I dig it. And that's wow. why I love having people come on my show and tell me their ideas, because it just <laughs> it expands my appreciation of the uh, of the stories, and hopefully my audience also appreciates being expanded. <laughs> Yeah, there was um like one of the key things for that crazy crazy theory was like the whole colors of his eyes like um both Taylu was described as having black eyes and Cinder's oh. described as having black eyes and like maybe they're not like the same person but I feel like they could be like similar in the whole species kind of thing. Okay. Like you know like uh because Cinder's described as having eyes like a goat's and uh, Taylu was described as having um you know, black or dark eyes um, in the different stories. Huh. All right, all right. That's an, that helps, that helps. And, like, the whole Incanus and Cathay thing, like, they they just, they talk so similarly, like, uh, at least in the stories, like, they both, like, do the kiss, or kiss, you know, K-Y-X-S-S thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, they're both of the voices are described, like, hissing or, you know, like, having the or the rasping voices hmm. so or motion and then in the phase talked like being um like his motions are snake-like and, and canis is described as um, motionless as a snake you know i just there's a lot of play there back and forth in the story all right you're giving me something to think about now <laughs> all right all right you kind of you've expanded on it a little bit I might be starting to get convinced. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, you'll, you'll do another reread and you can decide for yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's not fleshed out completely, but like the idea is there that maybe it could be. Right, right. 
it's you can't always you can't definitely say no. Well, thank you, Erin, for talking to me. Do you have any last thoughts or feelings or messages you'd like to share? Keep reading. You'll find more information. I think that applies to almost everything. Keep reading. I yeah, wholeheartedly. I love I love learning things. Do you want to share your blog again, or do you want to? Do people can find you? Do you want people to find you? Um, so if you like potentially might want a tack board, you can send me an email at um, crap. Let me look it up really quick. <laughs> I never <laughs> use it. <laughs> um, if you want to contact me about a tack board, you can send me an email at Aaron period Schmersel period tack at gmail.com. And if you happen to want to read a, a blog that is defunct by now, um, <laughs> chase the wind blog dot wordpress dot com. Yeah. Now, obviously, I know how to spell Schmersel as a because <laughs> that's uh, easy, yeah. common name in Washington. State. Right, right, right. But for other people, <laughs> um, that's so, Aaron dot. Okay, so A A R O N dot S C H M E R. S-A-L dot T-A-K at gmail dot com. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> and I'll be sure to put that in the show notes, too, in case you, dear listener, didn't feel like writing that down. Uh, you can find me, as always, on Facebook and on Twitter at road 2 Tinuay. That's the number two. And at Gmail, please email me your wild and crazy theories and thoughts and feelings. And if you can't remember Aaron's name and you need to <laughs> you want a tack board, you let me know. Or if you have beautiful tack boards that you want to share with me, images, I assume you're not going to give me a tack board, you can email me <laughs> at road to Tinue Road, the number two, Tinue at gmail.com. Our music is by Mark Haas. You can find Mark on YouTube and at markhaasmusic.com. See you on the road. You can say see you on the road, too, if you feel like it. See you on the road? <laughs> <laughs> I like that it was a question. See you on the road? Oh, my cat. My cat's name is Shade. Aw, kitties. I love my cat. We all love your cat.